0: The Chains of Dark Day <laughs>
1: Sermon is pre-recorded. The message today is entitled "Bent Towards Sin." Bent towards sin. Let's pray. Lord, as I share this word, it's up to Your Holy Spirit to plant it deep in each heart and bring forth that crop of righteousness. Lord, you know how each of us has come, either with a heart rejoicing and pure and clean before you, or rather one in rebellion and hardness, full of sin. Lord, would you meet each of us as we come now to your word. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Genesis, the second chapter. I'll begin reading with verse 15. Genesis, the second chapter, beginning in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Then chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the man said, The woman. We are bent towards sin. The great cry of the Welsh revival was just bend me. Bend me back to Jesus. I've struggled with this passage of scripture for many years. I keep returning to it time after time. I'm beginning to understand why. When Eve reached out her hand and took that piece of fruit, something organic took place. It wasn't mechanical. It was organic. As she took that fruit and she began to eat it, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil began to totally overwhelm and take over her whole body, mind, body, and soul. The spiritual nature that was within her died. And the wicked nature of the devil grew and expanded. Have you ever passed a garden? I recently visited a friend and I said, I want to go out and see your garden patch. I'm eager to see what you've done with it. He threw up both hands. He said, Don't look, Ray. I said, Come on, I'm going to go look. So I went outside to where his garden patch was. All I could see were weeds. I, I walked down through the weeds, crushing them where I knew he had planted those wonderful tomato plants. I was able to find a couple of small tomatoes. It had totally grown up in weeds. That's what happened when Adam and Eve took that fruit and ate it. Their whole life grew up suddenly in weeds. Poison weeds. Lust, bitterness. Anger, lying, stealing, murder. Every poison and wicked weed grew rapidly in their lives and in their families' lives. Then we come to the New Testament. And we find Jesus introducing what is called the New Covenant or the Everlasting Covenant. And there is a bent in the heart towards sin. And Jesus is saying, Deny yourself. What's he talking about? Deny yourself. Deny the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that has grown in your heart. Do you understand the tree that was external, the tree that you could look at, the tree that seemed beautiful to the eye and pleasing to eat? That tree suddenly leapt from the soil into the heart of Adam and Eve. And when I was born, I was born with the seed of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it grew rapidly in my life. And Jesus said, deny yourself. He didn't say deny the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because literally we have become the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It is us. It has become a part of us. It defines us. So when Jesus says, deny yourself, he's saying, deny. Deny yourself who you are. With this bent toward wickedness and this bent toward evil, deny yourself. Take up your cross. It's the only way the tree of the knowledge of good and evil can be dealt with. It has to be a cross. And follow me. Go where I'm going. Where was he going? He was going to the cross. Now I confess today, I have taken entirely too lightly the issue of sin. I think we all have. I think it's a part of our culture. We casually walk through life For America, it is literally a smorgasbord of delights birthed out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you want some veg time, there's the television, there are the movies, there are the videos, there are the games. What's your pleasure? Here it all is. You want food? Grocery stores are jam-packed with food. I mean, when I go to the grocery store these days, I feel so overwhelmed. I feel like I'm so tiny in that big place that there's such a supply, I can't decide which of the ten kinds of cottage cheese I want to buy. There's low-fat and high-fat, there's organic, there's I mean, you name it, it's there. Whatever your palate wants, it's there. We expect those kinds of options. You can have your model and make of car. You can have your model and make of hair color. You can, I mean, hey, you name it, you can have it. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil has provided us with every kind of smorgasbord option so that we never need to be bored. My kids used to come to me when they were small and they'd say, Daddy, I'm bored. And I would say, I'm so happy you're bored. What? You won't be creative until you get bored. If you have everything pumped into you, you grow fatter and fatter with no creativity, with no hunger. Did you know hunger is a gift of God? Have you fasted this last week? Oh, no, I can't fast. I get too hungry. Do you know how blessed it is to be hungry? And to be able to determine that that hunger is going to be filled with Jesus Christ and not with some marshmallow? not some Twinkie, not some piece of junk food coming out of McDonald's. If we're never hungry and we're never bored, we can never be saved. Because everything is satiated and everything is full and we have everything we desire and we are naturally bent toward darkness. Oh, but I... You know, I love Jesus. Well, good. Some people like Jesus and some people like Mickey Mouse. You know, frankly, it doesn't matter who you like. It matters who you're filled with, not who you like. It really doesn't matter if you're a religious person or if you're not a religious person. Hell will be filled with religious people. The confession of our culture is I can walk in my sin and I'm okay. Now, let's just understand we're all sinners. I mean, I'm so tired of hearing this. We're all sinners, we're going to always be sinners. But the grace of Jesus makes a difference. No, it doesn't. The grace of Jesus cannot do anything for a sinner if that sinner is not willing to be made holy. Knowing about Jesus will not save you from hell. It's not knowing about Jesus that saves you. It's denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus that saves you. Now, please, let's try to define some terms so that we're on the same page. Regeneration literally means new life comes into you. And you recognize from what I've said so far that a person is naturally bent towards sin... The tree of the knowledge of good and evil has totally consumed and taken over the life. And except for Genesis 3.15, there would be no possibility of salvation. But Jesus indicated there would be some small opening by which a man or woman could receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. The first promise of salvation, Genesis 3.15. So, this person denies themselves. They take up their cross. It's referred to in the story of Nicodemus as being born again. Paul in Corinthians talks about it being made into a new creature. So, suddenly, this person recognizes the sin in their life. They recognize how given they are to anger and bitterness and pride and hostility and cheating and lying and stealing. They recognize how they are given over to just the pride of life. And they confess this before God. They repent of their sin and they say, Oh God, make me into a new creature. And you're born again. You are given the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, that you no longer are to walk in sin. A born-again, regenerated person is free to no longer sin. There is no excuse for sin. The test of whether or not you have been born again is whether you have authority over sin. If you have no authority over sin and you can't help yourself, you're swept away time after time after time in sin. You have not yet been born again. A born again person, by definition in scripture, is a person who has been given authority over sin and no sin can come against you but what you have an avenue of escape. But Now here's the problem. When a person is born again, The tree of the knowledge of good and evil that has grown in your life is not cut down. And so now I live out my life day after day. And just as Adam and Eve had to face that tree in the garden, you and I have to also face that tree in the garden of our heart. No one will ever enter into the kingdom of God who has not said no to the knowledge of good and evil, who has not given up all right to determine what is right and wrong. It is Jesus Christ who determines right and wrong. A person filled with pride can determine that they love Jesus as long as it's comfortable to love Jesus. They will not be saved you and I have to face the decision. Will we reach out for that fruit that grows right next to our heart? And will we eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? If we do, the word tells us in 1 John, that if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. He will forgive us And then he will purify us from all unrighteousness. What is the unrighteousness? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He'll purify us again. You see, there is a divide in the heart of the soul of man who is born again. A man who is not born again, there's no divide in his heart. He goes after whatever is best. Some wicked men are good men. They have high morals. They would be exemplary in the way they live. They just have chosen the good of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they're still lost. When you're born again, there is a divide placed between your heart and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now you must choose Whether you will feast on the tree of life or on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And most of us, all of us who call ourselves Christians, who have been born again, let's be honest, we've tried to feed on both trees. And the result has been a total lack of power and piety so that we have no influence to speak to those who are lost. We can give them information. We can give them the information about Jesus, but it doesn't change their soul. There is another way we're going to have to learn to walk. And the baby step, I put it clearly, the baby step is to utterly turn away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and eat from the tree of life. You recognize that Jesus Christ is the tree of life. There were two trees in the garden. There was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there was the tree of Jesus Christ. Man was banned from the tree of life, lest they live forever in their sin. But when Jesus Christ came and dwelled among us, He said, My body is real food, and my blood is real drink. He once more made the tree of life available to His people, to His children, The first step and the first testimony that should be on the lips of every person in this room is that I have lived this past week with no known sin in my heart. I have not turned to darkness. I have not walked in foolishness. I have followed after Jesus Christ. Until that testimony is your testimony. You cannot go the step higher that is necessary for all of us to take. And that is to have Jesus by the power and the blood come and deal with this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It will not be removed until we are very clear in our decision that we will live righteous before almighty God. Now let me give you very quickly one other simple definition. We are called to be sanctified holy to be completely sanctified. The word sanctified simply means to be set apart, separated from. Specifically, it's referring to being separated from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Being separated from sin and darkness and and all that's involved in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So a person who's sanctified is in their soul divided and separated from that old nature, that flesh, that, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we're separated from that in our soul. We're sanctified. The scriptures tell us, I'll just, I'll read it for you quickly. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 14 Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. This word holy is a very interesting word. It literally means to be constantly sanctified. To be constantly sanctified to be constantly set apart unto Jesus. Now you recognize by what I'm saying that many call themselves Christians. Many define themselves as Christians. To be a Christian does not mean you're not going to hell. To call yourself a Christian does not mean you're not going to go to hell. Many who claim to follow Jesus, when the time of testing comes, that is, when they arrive on Golgotha at the cross, will say, it's too hard. I've watched through the years as men and women in this church have been confronted with their spiritual condition. And I've watched them struggle with that spiritual condition. And then finally turn and say, I'm leaving. It's too hard. I'm going to continue to walk the way I can walk. And they leave angry, they leave bitter, or they leave casually saying, It's okay if I'm a glutton. It's okay if I have bitterness in my heart. It's okay if I lie. It's okay if I cheat and steal. It's okay if I'm not on fire for Jesus Christ. It's okay. And they leave. Other things entice them. The clubs. The parties. I talked with a young man this last week. He said, I want to follow Jesus. I said, good. Do I have to give up the girls? Well, I said, if you, if you want a young lady, why don't you take Jesus with you when you go see her? Well, I don't think he'd want to go. Well, then maybe you shouldn't go either. He said, I'll see you Sunday. He called me back this week. He said, Pastor, it's too far for me to drive to the National Prayer Chapel. I said, oh, do you think it's close to get to heaven? How far do you have to go to get to heaven? I thought you said you wanted to follow Jesus. Do you want to follow Jesus? Well, there's a church right over. I said, I know what that church teaches. It teaches that you can walk in your sin and you're still saved. You can never lose your salvation. They're lying to you. You want to go where you can be comfortable and not have to deal with your sin. Oh, I'll see you Sunday, Pastor. I don't see him here today. I'm not surprised. It's easy to follow Jesus till you get to the cross. And when you begin to understand the pain and the anguish of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil coming out of your life, being pulled out by the roots, or the pain of always having it there, And always having to deal with it week after week, day after day. Testing, 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 seeing whether or not you'll lift up your hands and surrender to Jesus or whether you're going to ball your hands and fists and strike out against someone who troubles you. You have to decide, do you want Jesus? And are you willing to deal to the bottom with your sin? Do you want to be a follower of Jesus at a distance and retain the right to eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? There's a higher way. I'm telling you today that that bent towards sinning can be removed from your life. There does not always need to be a separation in your soul between the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and righteousness. If you will totally turn away from that tree, the Holy Spirit will come in your life and burn that tree out and set you free. I want to look with you quickly in the book of 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. The chapter opens by talking about the children of Israel. How the children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea where they were baptized into Moses, on out into the desert, where they were fed the manna of God, which was literally Jesus Christ. They ate the spiritual bread. They drank the spiritual water, which Paul tells us in Corinthians was Jesus Christ. They drank the blood and they ate the body. They said they were following the cloud. Verse 5, nevertheless... God was not pleased with most of them and their bodies were scattered over the desert. Will your body be scattered over the desert? Will you die feasting on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Or will you rise up in your heart and say, Enough. Enough. I'm finished. I will follow Jesus. Verse 6, now these things occurred as examples to keep them from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. And then he begins to identify the specific areas of sin or the specific areas of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the fruit of the tree, clearly identified. Number 1, in verse 7, idolatry. Idolatry is placing anything above Jesus Christ. Comfort, ease, responsibilities, lust, the clubs, money, prestige, power, success, recognition. That's idolatry. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. Number two on the list, interesting, we should not commit sexual immorality. I am increasingly shocked by what I see happening in the social world of America. Today, when a young man and a young woman meet, they have sex, like shaking hands just hooked up for the night there's such casualness such wickedness the lord said don't don't be sexually immoral the research shows that well over 50% of men who call themselves christians are addicted to pornography That means at least half of the men in this congregation, if we are a normal congregation, are deeply addicted to pornography. And now research is showing us that women are as addicted as men. It's a click away on your computer. Nobody will know. You're in the privacy of your own place. He says... We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. Number three, we should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. What do I mean, test the Lord? Find a hard situation and say, God, where are you? Why are you letting this happen to me? Turning in anger toward the Most High because of life circumstances. Testing God. Making accusations against the Most High. Feeling like He's not treating me the way I deserve to be treated. And if He's not going to do it for me, I'll go out and get it for myself. If God's not going to do it for me, I'll do it. Feasting on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm not going to wait on God. I'm not going to trust him for where he wants me to work or what he wants me to do. I'll go do it myself. I'm the man. You know, after all, I'm responsible. I have to do what I'm supposed to do. And then even I hear dear brothers and sisters who are Christians saying, I have to take care of my family. I have to take care of my this. I have to take care of my that. What? I thought it all belonged to Jesus. I thought he took care of his family. I thought he took care of his people. I thought he determined our course of action through the day. Only responsible if I turn to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Otherwise Jesus is responsible and I'm responsible to hear his voice and to walk in obedience to what he tells me to do. So he's saying, don't test God. Don't pick up what belongs to God. Don't go pick the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's right there in your heart. It's growing right there beside your heart. All you have to do is reach out your hand and take that wonderful, pleasant thing I don't have a man in my life. I guess I'll go pick one from a tree. I don't have a woman in my life. I guess I'll go pick one from the you know, fish in the sea. There's a web page. You know that. What's it called? Fish in the sea or more fish or plenty of fish or some foolish name. It's all hanging on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's waiting for you. It's dressed up in wonderful marketing and advertising. He says, don't test God. And then listen. Verse 10, and do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. God hates a grumbler. And you know what? I can be a grumbler. Do I have any brothers and sisters here? You know how I know a grumbler when I see one? The expression on their face. The expression on their face. It looks like uh, sour milk. It looks like they need a Holy Spirit facelift. Carrying the burden of the world on their back. After all, they're responsible for getting the sun up in the morning and putting it to bed at night. They carry a backpack and it's full of bricks. And they're hunched over with a cane going through life grumbling. When you get to the cross, you lay it all down. You lay the knapsack full of burdens down at the cross, you lay the worries down at the cross. And you don't go pick fruit off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Part of what I'm learning is that there's a profound difference between the agony of prayer and grumbling. Grumbling by nature refuses to take responsibility for what's happened. A grumbler is a victim when we're called in Jesus Christ, we stop grumbling and we take responsibility and we say it's me standing in the need of prayer. And we go before the throne of God and with tears and agony we deal with whatever has to be dealt with. The testing, the hard, whatever it is, we bring it before the throne of God and we let Him deal with it. and we would walk out of that throne room, the glory of God should be seen on our faces. If it's not, it's because we've been feasting on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Or we still have more repentance to do for our unbelief. Because Jesus is our deliverer. He's our healer. He's our restorer. He's the one who's called us. And he's the one who will carry us. He says, Therefore, verse 14, My dear friends, flee from idolatry. Speak to sensible, I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar. Do I mean that the sacrifice offered to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he is? The reason we have so little power is because we have feasted on that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A divided house cannot stand. There has to be an absolute clarity in our heart that we will no longer drink the cup of demons, whether it be drugs, or lust, or anger, or bitterness, or lying, or cheating, or stealing or pride and arrogance, whatever it is that we are convicted by the Holy Spirit about, there has to be an absolute clarity that we're finished with it. It's done. It's over. And even though this tree grows in my life, I am not going to feast on it. I'm going to wall it off by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to walk clean through this world, and the testimony of my heart will be I am walking without sin. Now, the agony of my soul is that while I am walking with no known sin in my life, that tree still has its tentacles around my life. And that stone that tree can rise up so quickly. All sin is law-breaking. But not all law-breaking is sin. There has to be a volunteering of my heart for darkness, for it to be sin. And yet I still feel in my soul those tentacles. And I am crying out to God and I am standing by faith. For full deliverance. Now as a pastor, I always have to preach beyond where I'm at. I don't like that about being a pastor. I'd rather be able to come to you and say, here's my stuffed animal, See, it's not in my life anymore. I can't do that. I have to preach beyond myself. I have to call you higher than I've gone yet. I've dealt with the sin issue. There's no longer any outward sin that I'm walking in. But there's that inward rising up of pride arrogance, lack of piety that crushes my heart. And I know from the scriptures that as a son, by faith, the last tentacle of that tree can be utterly cut out of my life and off of my life. And I'm standing by faith for that work to be done. I received the gift of the blood of Jesus Christ as a sinner. I received the full cleansing from this tree as a son. But it's in the same manner. It's by faith. If any of you have been serious about following Jesus, you'll know the bitterness of that struggle. And that Satan will cause every temptation to come roaring at you. He will cause every possible fine-tuned temptation to assault you. The more serious you become about Jesus, the more finely tuned these temptations are. But I know the deliverance from the outward acts of sin is granted by the blood of Jesus. I know that the inner the inner sin that is not committed that I don't volunteer myself for that rises up unbidden I know I can be delivered totally from that as well. And I'm standing by faith today for that deliverance. I'm expecting it today. In my heart. I have experienced time after time. It's the time when I had bitter anger in my soul. You look cross-eyed at me and I was angry. Rage was just a part of my spirit. Violence was a part of my nature. And I remember so clearly the day I went before the Lord I confessed this and I said, Lord, it has to stop. I can't live with this anymore. It has to go. I renounced it. I told the Lord how much I hated it. And with tears, I stayed before the Lord until the deliverance came. And the anger was gone. And I no longer struggle with anger. I know that was a gift of grace. I know that every sin can be dealt with in the same way. And I know the inward bent towards sin can be changed so that you are bent toward Jesus Christ. In the coming Sundays, I'm going to go in depth in the scripture. Today has been just a broad brush overview of where we're going this fall as we go scripture by scripture by scripture as I show you from the word of God everything I've spoken to you today. But I know the lack of power in our lives is one because we're walking in known sin or two because we still have not had removed from our hearts the bent to sin. I'm standing as a child of God today for this total deliverance in my soul. Almighty God, I stand by faith today for the deliverance of your people that the enticements of this world would be utterly cast down. That we would no longer be bent towards sinning, but would be bent toward the cross and bent toward righteousness and holiness. Lord, lift up your banner over our heads and set us free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Come join us at nationalprayerchapel.com.
2: Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless. Oh